Welcome to episode 40 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. It is December 8th here in New York City. It's the first time we've all been in a room probably in like over a month, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we got Bryce here. We got Sam here. We have a special guest in from Los Angeles, our dear friend Bennett Sanders. He's going to talk baseball with us today. Bennett, say a quick hello and a little something for our loving listeners. Uh, it's uh, hard to follow up on Lisa Ann, but I'm happy to be here. I mean, that's the shadow we're never going to escape. <laughs> that's, I think, just the unfortunate reality of this podcast. There's many unfortunate realities. I'd say that's a good title for today's episode. Well, just before we even get into baseball, Bryce, just so we can get this out of this way, out of the way, um, sorry about your dear friend. I'm turning. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna save my takes for it and make it a, a baseball one. I have. A, I have a transition that'll go seamless. Can't wait to hear this. Um, so, episode 44-0. This is an easy one for the New York Yankees because it has been occupied by the same players since 2015. Uh, two-time All-Star Luis Severino. Um, prior to that. The most famous Yankee to wear number 40 wore it from 2005 yes. to 2009. Big shout out to our Taiwanese friend, Chin Min Wong. And let me give you a quick rundown <laughs> on Taiwan. I, one of my good friends, Eric Liao, is from Taiwan. Not one, but two girls in my past are from Taiwan. One of them probably doesn't want to shout it on this show, nor does the other, but she's going to get one anyway. Allison Huang, the girl that introduced me to Juice World. I miss Juice World. I guess I also miss you. <laughs> but but the Juice World thing bigger. No, you the bigger one. And there it is. He's so distraught over Juice World, he can't make his mind up over who he misses more. Um, I mean, Chin Ming Wong, I, I just want to say two quick things on him. Have any of you guys, I haven't watched it yet, but did you know there's a whole Netflix documentary on Chin Ming Wong that's been out for a little ways? Nope. He's like a titan back in his home country. Of Taiwan. Titan of Taiwan. That should have been his nickname. The marketing team for the Yankees fucked up missing the boat on that Well, clearly they've never seen the two girls from my past because they're a couple of titanesses from Taiwan. Let me tell you. Chin Ming Wong was a guy I felt bad for, though, because from 2005 to 2008, I mean, he won 20 games twice. Throwing that sinker ball, and then right when we won the World Series, uh, he blew out his Achilles in an interleague game. Chin Ming Wong actually may be the poster boy for why pitchers shouldn't hit, because he was so successful pitching, and then was running to first base against the then National League Houston Astros, uh, and blew out his Achilles, and then we never really saw him again. He's the man. He is just the man. Other than him, uh, some notable players: Francisco Cervelli Ward in 2012. Um. Here's some guys I don't even know. Anyone remember Joel De La Cruz or uh, Sergio Santos? No. I'll never, even throw in never Cole, heard of them. Cole Figueroa? No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's an open three for me also. But somebody we all have heard of, he is large, he is in charge, and you know him as Big Sexy, Bartolo Colon, war number 40 for the Yankees, for a Yankee career that was way too short. Should have been longer than one year. Seems like 40 is a great number throughout Yankee history. Yeah. I mean, I mean a coach a coach wore pretty much from 1979 through 2001. Well, 40's not a cool number. No. You know, right? Don Zimmer wore 40 as a coach for a year. Yeah, no one's really calling Don Zimmer cool. I would be cool. He got his ass kicked by Pedro. He got his ass kicked. Yeah, but he changed. He was the one that got the entire world to realize 
how much of a dick Pedro was as a player because he literally assaulted a very old man during a playoff series. The old man did charge him. Semantics. Just saying. It was so Don Zimmer's fault. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. Pedro was the one who hit the old man. You have to, you have to treat the elderly with respect. I'm looking at you, Pedro Martinez. I'm looking <laughs> at you, Kellen Winslow. Behave yourself around the elderly. It's like me and you have to behave ourselves around Papa Barry. No, Chase, it's completely different. Don't compare us to Kellen Winslow. What is wrong with you? I was saying more than Pedro one. <laughs> we didn't even hit... What do you, we behaved completely fine. It was Papa Barry that was a loose cannon. Yeah. You never know what Papa Barry, what kind of uh, Urban Meyer takes he's going to give you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alright, let's move on. <laughs> this is not our best work. So, the big news, uh, before we get into some player moves, the, probably the biggest news of the week is the New York Mets, for the first time, maybe in our whole lifetime, outside of the 2000 and the 2015 World Series appearances, finally have a glimmer of hope, and God willing, Jim Dolan will follow suit soon and sell both the Knicks for myself and the Rangers for back. Probably not going to happen, but hey, someone can dream. Uh, Steve Cohen is set to buy 80% of the Mets. Uh, he's currently a minor investor in the team, and he's negotiating with the Wilpon family to purchase a controlling stake in the team, according to two people close to the negotiations. Under the agreement with the Wilpon family, Mr. Cohen, 63, would purchase 80% of the team. Um, in an announcement on Wednesday, Mr. Cohen and the Mets said that Fred Wilpon, the current controller of the Mets, and his son Jeff, the COO, uh, would continue to play a role in every decision the club makes and would remain in their position for the next five years. Uh, Mr. Cohen, for anyone who watches the show Billions, I don't. Do you? I don't. Do you? No. I'm assuming you don't. No. God, no. So, uh, the main character, Ajax, was played by Damian Lewis. You ever watch Homeland? Uh, my parents do. Anyone watch Homeland? Used to. Alright, you, know, like, you know like the main guy who like comes back brainwashed? Turns and, yeah, goes American Taliban and then comes back. Yeah. yeah, so that guy plays Steve Cohen in the show Billions. Um, take that for what you will. Um, but Cohen, he made his fortune uh, in the hedge fund business and is a major society in the uh, New York art world. Um, currently, his biggest claim to fame is not the fact that he is a minority owner in the Mets, but the fact that um, his hedge fund paid over $2 billion in fines, um, which was the largest SEC fine in history. Um, so you're moving from the Wilpons and their Bernie Madoff money to now the biggest SEC violator in the history of the SEC. Um, but his fund's $14 billion. He would have instantly become um, the richest owner in all of Major League Baseball. And the Mets support the Taliban. And apparently the Mets support the Taliban. I could live with that one. I'm, I'm okay with that take. Um, Cohen, for what it's worth, seven years after um, he tried to pursue a purchase of the Dodgers and then he paid $20 million for a share of the Mets, he's now right on the verge of owning the New York Mets. Um, for, you, for me, I spoke to all my Mets fan friends about this. They were so ecstatic just because even though the Wilpons are still going to be, in theory, in control for the next five years, I mean, ultimately the guy with the money is the one who makes decisions. And this guy is going to have money. He's not going to buy the team not to spend the money. Um, and if you're a Mets fan, it's not going to do anything for the 2020 season. But for 2021, when you're still going to have McNeil, Alonzo, if you bring Syndergaard back with DeGrom, and then have a ton of money to spend, better days are ahead for the New York Mets, I think. Well, yeah, it's going to show you if the Wilpons are actually just cheap guys or if they're bad owners because it's not their money anymore. They're still making decisions, but it's not their bankroll. So we'll see what they... So I do. I'm not so confident that it's going to 
be a quick 180 right off the bat. It might take until Steve Cohen is running the show completely. I agree with that. I, I just think, you know, the Mets this year won 86 games with a lot of holes and their typical, you know, cheap spending habits. And now they're still going to bring that core back, but come 2021, you know, you're going to be able to spend for the one or two free agents that could put you over the edge. Um, I think they could be dangerous, but I think what, what you said is spot on is now we're going to see were the Wilpons cheap, were they inept, or was it some combination of the two that's just hindered the Mets? Ultimately, I just think the Mets are like the Knicks' ownership aside and that they're just cursed franchises at this point. Yeah, you have the Giants and the Jets. I, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> the, Mets, the Mets have been competitive lately. Yeah. The Mets have a really nice team. Their pitching staff this year with DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, that's as good as it gets, one, two, three. I mean, they lost Wheeler, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. But, I mean, getting a, the richest owner in a sport with no salary cap should be good things for the Mets. Um, going back to your point about the pitching staff, I mean, they've emerged pretty early on as a favorite for Rick Porcello. Um, he's terrible. But he, I don't think he's terrible. At, he, he was terrible with the Red Sox for someone who was making $23 million a year. But if you're paying Rick Porcello to, for $10 million to be your innings eater number four starter, I really like that fit with the Mets then. And then all of a sudden, if that's your rotation, you'll compete. And Matt's. And Steven Matt's. I mean, there's still a piece or two in the bullpen away. I think um, we're going to talk about non-tendered players later on this show, but I think Blake Trinan would be an unbelievable fit for the Mets to put next to Edwin Diaz. He'd be an unbelievable fit anywhere. He's really good. It's true. Yeah, I mean, a sub-1 ERA two years he ago. He went from being top you know, five or six in the Cy Young vote in 2018 to non-tendered in 2019, which just shows how crazy the state of finances and free agency in baseball is today. I know. It's like Juice Rose, my top artist on Spotify earlier this week. Passed away today. You never know what's going to happen on the planet these days. Life moves pretty fast. Yeah. Um, one last thought I have on Steve Cohen is, you know, how, how quickly, in your guys' opinion, you know, I'm sure there's going to be something in the actual documents they sign that says the Will Ponds have to be in control for five years, but how quickly do you think the Will Ponds are kind of kicked to the curb and are only there in like a... Not metaphorical, is not symbolic, um, you know, representation. I think they're already there. I think all the Mets fans see this. And if you ask a Mets fan who owns the team, they'll say Cohen. The Wilpont thing is, they've hated the Wilpons forever. For whatever reason. I mean, the Wilpons got into the World Series four years ago. Four seasons ago, this team was in the World Series. And so the Wilpons are doing all right. They did spend. They gave Jason Bay a lot of money. There's a difference between being cheap or spending money incorrectly. I agree with that. And I think we showed, saw that this offseason with the Mets, um, which I think with Brody Van Wagenen, I mean, some of his moves paid off, others didn't. But it'll be interesting to see what he could do with a much bigger checkbook. But at the same time, I mean, you look. They, they it, took on Cano. They That's took a massive. The Diaz and Cano trade blew up in their face. The Familia contract blew up in their face. Jed Lowry, they gave $30 million. He played about 9, 10 games this year. Um, so we'll see. I do agree with you. I think it's a matter of, you know, not necessarily, it's a combination of being able to A, spend more money, but B, you got to just spend it smarter. And that's hard. That's why, uh, that's why half the teams suck every year. It's true. Um, so a team that the Mets, or a player that the Mets didn't want to give money to, and they saw go to a division rival, um, was a member of that rotation that you mentioned, Zach Wheeler. Uh, sources told MLB.com on Wednesday that the Phillies and Zach Wheeler agreed to a five-year, $118 million contract. Uh, many considered Wheeler the best option in the second-tier free agents behind Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. And 
the early report was that uh, the White Sox actually offered more money. They wanted to make Wheeler the centerpiece of this uh, offseason that they've had, along with Rondahl. Um, but when it came down to it, Wheeler was comfortable in New York. His wife's from North Jersey, so he wanted to be closer to his wife. Ended up in Philadelphia, and again, almost $24 million a year. Uh, it's nothing to scoff at. It's a lot of cheese sticks. A lot of cheese sticks. Um, last year, Wheeler went 11-8 and with a 3.98 ERA and 31 starts. And 60 starts over the past two seasons. 3.65 ERA, 3.37 FIP. And based on fan graphs and baseball references war, he was either the 10th or 19th most valuable pitcher in that span. Quick side note, this is where war drives me crazy because there should never be, I mean, I guess 10 or 19th, there's still a, a top 20 pitcher in baseball, but to me, there should never be a, a stat where it's, okay, well, he's either in the top 10 or the top 20. Yeah, I, war, war doesn't make sense. Really doesn't. I don't know the formula, whatever they're doing. That's the thing, like, we use it as a stat on the show all the time, but if you said to me right now, give me the formula, I'd have no freaking clue. It's just an easy comparison stat. It's supposed to be the holistic comparison stat, but no one really knows what it means. And certain players who you don't see, who don't appear to be that good, have amazingly high wars. But I mean, either well, like you said, I mean, top ten or nineteen—that's still an elite pitcher. So Wheeler's only twenty-nine, and again, I don't think anybody has ever thought of him as a starter that's going to get you know that twenty-four million dollar a year contract. Um, but the Phillies believe Wheeler can be even better than he has the past two seasons, um, especially with GR, JT Real Muto behind the dish. I mean, Real Muto, best pitch framer in baseball right now. Um, but really, everyone is getting him because a lot of people think that he is profiled remarkably similar to Garrett Cole in terms of his stuff and upside. Um, already had Tommy John, doesn't have a lot of wear on the elbow. Um, his four-seam fastball averaged 96.8 miles per hour last year, which ranked fourth among starters among 750 uh, four four seam fastballs thrown. Um, only Noah Syndergaard, Garrett Cole, and Jacob Degrom threw harder. Um, his slider averaged ninety one point two miles per hour, which only Degrom slider was harder. Um, curveball was a remarkable weapon. Um, it was fourteenth out of ninety one starters in expected slugging percentage against. Um, he throws a sinker, changeup, occasional splitter. His average exit velocity off the bat, 86.2 miles per hour. Um, ranked 8th last season out of 92 pitchers amongst minimum 400 balls put in play, according to StatCast. Hard hit percentage was 16th. Um, again, with him and Aaron Nola, it's a really solid 1-2 uh, punch top the rotation. Uh, it's the third largest free agent contract in Philly's history, between Bryce Harper's $330 million deal uh, and Cliff Lee's $120 million deal. Um, I like this move for the Phillies, but it is very interesting how it seems like the market shifted where, you know, you used to pl- you used to pay players based on what they had done in the past and their actual performance. Now it seems like you're paying players based on the idea of their upside and what they could become. Yeah, Wheeler's never been the ace. He's not supposed to be the ace down in Philly. He'll slide in behind no one. But even the Mets, I mean, they're paying a guy, now the Phillies, $24 million, who was... Always thought of as the third or times when Matt was pitching well, fourth best pitcher on his own team. Fifth when Harvey was there. It's true. Yeah. I think like that World Series year and the year after. He and Bartolo was there. He was the clear fifth fiddle amongst their big five. Yeah, but he's got a lot of upside and the Phillies are determined to spend their stupid money. And this would classify as a stupid money signing. One silver lining if you're a Mets fan and you're upset that Wheeler's going to a division rival because he rejected the Mets qualifying offer. The Phillies will now lose their second highest pick in June's draft. Um, so the Mets are getting that pick. Phillies also lose some international bonus pool money. Again, I think owner John Middleton, the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since 2011. 
He showed it last year going to trade for Real Muto, signing McCutcheon, um, even signing Arietta the year before, signing Harper. You know, he wants to be the guy to end the playoff drought in Philadelphia. Um, and like you said, you sometimes you got to spend stupid money to do it. Hopefully this pans out for the Phillies. Um, you know, I think at a minimum, Wheeler will be an above-average innings eater. But at the end of the day, you're, you're paying a guy to be an ace, even if he doesn't slot in one on his own team. And um, that could be where it comes back to bite the Phillies, I think. Yeah, but if you're just – there's no salary cap in baseball. It's true. So it's just it, – at the end of the day, it is just money from the owner's perspective. And if he's willing to pay it, he's going to pay it. You're going to get a quality season out of Wheeler. Are you going to get A1 level production? Probably not because he's never given you that for a full season. But he will be there. He'll pitch. He'll pitch well. And uh, the Phillies need another arm. They do need an arm. No, it's true. And for what it's worth, Arietta's contract does come off the books after this season. So think of just replacing Arietta's $25 million a year with a pitcher with significantly more upside than Jake Arietta. Yeah. All right, well, and he's happy to be there. He wants to stay close, make his wife happy. So a guy who used to pitch in Philadelphia and a lot of Phillies fans wanted him back for this season, a veteran arm who not only didn't go to Philly, but similar to Zach Wheeler, went to another division rival, Cole Hamill signed a one-year, $18 million contract with the Braves on Wednesday. Uh, after signing, Hamill said he looks forward to giving Mike Soroka, Max Fried, and Atlanta's other young starters the same kind of valuable guidance he received from Roy Holiday and the veterans who guided him through his early years at Philly. When it came down to it, I wanted to play on a contender, Hamill said. I was very familiar with the Braves. I've watched them in the postseason, and I've seen what they've been able to create. I've always been following them in hopes of maybe being able to pitch with some of these guys because they have such good young talent. Um... One interesting thing with Hamels before we go into his season and the implications with his Braves, Hamels pretty openly said, you know, you know how you have a lot of NBA veterans where we use the phrase ring chasing? Yes. Hamels has pretty openly said, he's like, yeah, the rest of my career I only want to sign one-year deal so I can be flexible and just play with contenders. Um, which good on him for being so honest. Like, at this point, he's won his World Series. He's MV- MVP. Won his World Series MVP, correct. Um, he's finishing up a career that... Well, it might not be Hall of Fame, will at least garner some Hall of Fame discussion, I think. Another ring would put him in another, serious discussion. Another ring with his postseason resume would put him in serious discussion, I agree. But I don't know if he's ever had a dominant regular season. I can't remember him being... I, I What was his highest Cy Young finish? Because he's always been good in the playoffs, that 08 season. He was still young in 08 when he was the World Series MVP and the NLCS MVP. 2009, he was 14 and 9, 279 ERA, 194 strikeouts, finished fifth in the Cy Young voting. So he's only had one top five finish in the Cy Young? All right, I guess we'll just really dive into this now. I think Hamels, I mean, he's right around 60 war, which is usually like the Hall of Fame territory. Um, I think for Cole Hamels to get in, he's at 2,558 strikeouts right now. If he gets to 200 wins and 3,000 strikeouts, I think he's a strong candidate. Otherwise, Hall very good. Yeah, he's got to hit the benchmarks. If he hits one of those benchmarks, yeah, he should be in. Correct. Um, but going back to the present with Cole Hamels, last year he posted a 3-8-1 ERA in 141 and two-thirds innings over 27 starts for the Cubs. The lefty, who turned, will turn 36 on December 27th, produced a 2-9-8 ERA over the 17 starts he made before straining his left oblique on June 28th. Opponents produced a 3-0-2 on base and 3-57 slugging during that span. Ten starts after the injury, that shot up to a 5.79 ERA um, and an OPS above 900. So again, I think Hamill showed that he still has some gas in the tank. 
Um, he was shut down with left shoulder fatigue after issuing five walks over just three and a third against the Reds on September 16th. But September 28th, eight strikeouts over four scoreless and walk-free innings against the Cardinals, which Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves GM, said gave Atlanta confidence the four-time All-Star was entering the offseason in a healthy fashion. Um, Hamels has done a lot. I think he's a guy who, you know, is a three- or four-starter in that rotation. Is exactly what they needed, just a guy with a ton of experience, um, which to me, I mean, I don't know how much you watch Max Fried pitch in the playoffs, but he reminds me of Cole Hamels at that age. I didn't watch a whole lot of Max Fried in the playoffs, Chase. Uh, I'll be honest, I missed that one. All right, it's fair enough. Just I thought that series was the least interesting of all the series. Oh, 100%. Because they were all blowouts, one way or the other. That game five was pretty bad. But Max Fried is a guy who reminds me of Cole Hamels, a big lefty who throws hard and has a nasty hook. Yeah, so good luck. I, I think it's a really good signing for Atlanta. They, um, I wonder if there's does this mean they're out on Mad Bum? I think they're out on Mad Bum, but I think, you know, between Soroka, Freed, Hamels, Fultonevich, and then some of their young guys, their rotation will be fine. The bullpen's loaded from the offseason, but the biggest thing, which you texted me right after the move is, the reason this is so important is now they can go back in on Josh Donaldson. Yeah, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal because from the team side, it gives you all the flexibility in the world. If they want to go in, bring back Donaldson, keep that lineup as strong as it was a year ago, it's a good fit. Yeah, 100%. I mean, now you could give Donaldson, say, 3 for 75, which I think is what his market's going to be. Is it? That seems like a lot for Donaldson. I mean, dude, he made 23 last year. And had a 900 OPS, hit 37 homers, and was a gold glove final. And is a very revered guy in the clubhouse. And if you were wondering, yes, those were beer cans that were just going to the ground. We got football coming up also. Yeah, that's what we like to do here. We're a fun podcast. Well, you know, we love baseball, but we like other sports too. I like football. Rapid reaction, Saints-Niners, who you guys got? Saints-Niners. Where's this game being played? Uh... New Orleans, my uh, my two friends, one's a Saints fan, one's a Niners fan. Both teams were and Saints. And you said good. Niners? And no, you, Saints, Saints. You said Saints, you said Saints? Niners. I think Jimmy G stinks. Give me the Saints. <laughs> have you seen the Niners D line? I have. Yeah. Post uh, is uh, good. Big Pac 12 line. Forrest Bunker, Solomon Thomas. Bennett's also a Pac 12 guy, so. Fight on. Anytime fire, someone fire, else fire, can fire, 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 fire. So anytime somebody else can sit with me and pretend to support the Pac 12, it's always a nice feeling. I never try to support the Packers. Solidarity is how we get through this. We, we have to. It's when, when you play in a conference where they just beat on each other and deliberately sabotage one another's playoff chances, looking at you, you talking more than you All we have is each other. I actually rooted for USC Bennett's team to win down the stretch because I wanted them to keep their head coach. And I did the same for uh, the, the USC-UCLA game this year. It was not, not a great display of football. Shows how sad my program is that I'm rooting for our biggest rival to win. Because all I have to look forward to is that they keep their crappy head coach. Uh, I would say the same. I like Chip Kelly. Glad you do. <laughs> you like Clay Helton? No. That, by the way, is the dumbest thing. Extending Clay Helton. Well, the issue is that... That's the dumbest thing. You hired... Everything, everything you read is like, hmm, Urban Meyer would maybe come back to college football for USC or Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not firing anybody. Do you want to know who cost USC Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer? Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Um, if all of this, like, college admissions crap didn't break, they would have signed Urban. The USC has enough scandal without Urban Meyer. They bring in a new president to clean house and clean up scandal. You can't hire Urban Meyer. Bingo. It doesn't work. Bingo. All right, transitioning back to baseball and the free agent market. Um, Bryce, what are your thoughts on teams giving four-year deals 
to a career third baseman to play second base after the age of 30. It makes sense for this team because they have a 40-homer guy at third base. Well, Eugenio Suarez, by the way, has been making a lot of appearances on the podcast lately. Was it, I would even call him more of a 50 guy than a 40-homer guy. I know he didn't hit it, but it's closer to 50 than he wants to 40. Yeah, but that's not how that label works. I know. Uh, you, can't, you can't just round it up. <laughs> anyway, Versailles, he, he played, he's played second base. The Brewers had him over there for a while. So, and he's, he's a good bat, a good presence, and that's a team that wants to compete. So, Bryce just cheated up, but, uh, yeah, the Reds showed just how serious they were about upgrading their lineup on Monday. Um, they announced that Mike Moustakis agreed to a four-year, $64 million contract with the team. Amazingly, at only $64 million, it is still the largest contract ever given to a free agent in Reds history. Um, and although a natural third base, Moustakis is going to fill the vacancy in second because Suarez is a third. Moustakis last year in his age 30-1 season batted 254-329-516, 35 homers, 87 ribbies, and 143 games and made the All-Star team. Past three years, he's averaged... 34 homers and 8 at 17 OPS. Um, has had to settle for one-year deals the past two years with Royals and the Brewers um, in free agency. He's a guy who the qualifying offer in particular, I think, really hurt his value. Um, but again, he's a guy who's a winner, was a big part of those Royals teams um, that made back-to-back World Series and then later won. Um, past two years with the Brewers, helped them get into the postseason. Um, and like you said, I, I mean, I think the fact that he has some experience at second um, he'll be fine. I mean, Votto's bat has deteriorated, but he's still got an above-average glove at first. But the biggest thing is, despite playing in the Great American Ballpark, um, which is a major hitter's park, the Reds ranked 12th in the NL in hitting and runs scored last year. Um, the pitching staff between Bauer, Sonny Gray, and Luis Castillo should be very strong again. Um, so I think this was a move the Reds had to make. Was it a slight overpay? Yes, but I think it was a necessary one. Yeah, but that lineup's now armed and dangerous. Juice what's on. Uh, <laughs> I hate you. I guess that was a, no, but that is a really good lineup. Even though Votto isn't what he was from a power standpoint, he still has one of the best eyes in baseball. That guy gets on base every game. He's always on base. You got Suarez hitting home fifty, close to fifty homers. Mustakas, good player, good batter, good clubhouse guy. And that pitch, that one, two, three is legit. Those are three guys with Cy Young potential. I mean, at least the way Sonny Gray pitched last year. And I think you talked about the Reds winning this division a few weeks back. I could see it. One other thing I'll add, which I like about the move a lot, is um, Nick Senzel, who was their top prospect, who made his debut last year. It allows him to now settle in in center field where he's not going to be bouncing between second and center. Um, And I do think that's important for a player just to know this is going to be my everyday position. We can't all be Cody Bellinger where you're, you know, sick at first and sick in right field. Or Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's defensive metrics pretty meh. Yeah, but he plays all here. Madden had that guy playing everywhere. And where's Madden managing now? Not in Chicago. <laughs> but where is he managing now? Mike Trout. And Albert Pujols. Good, that, hey, that might have been our best one yet. <laughs> Bennett, for a little inside info, we get Albert Pujols on every show somehow. I got the briefing earlier. And they've been super organic of late. They have been. I think we're working hard at it. Beck, what's your favorite Albert Pujols memory? I'm going to put you on the spot. Probably the ESPN commercial. Oh, that's, that's a, a fantastic one. answer. That is a good one. He was so good. The machine. I am not the machine. Albert. <laughs> In their peak, because I was actually talking about this the other day, so we'll say like 2005 to 2009 Pujols or 2010 to 2014 this guy. 
Who's this guy? Well, I'm going to tell you in a second. Would you rather have Albert Pujols up at the plate or Miguel Cabrera? Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols. Wow, very quick Albert Pujols. Dude, peak Albert Pujols was like... Maybe he won the triple crown. Yeah, but Pujols' peak was also more than 05 to 10. Pujols jumped in the league and was an immediate superstar. I'd go, oh, the entirety of his Cardinals career, he was a top five player in baseball. What do you mean, Bryce? Because the first... uh... Ten years of his career with the uh, Cardinals, he averaged 41 homers, 123 ribbies, and 331, 426, 624 a season. That's a lot of what I mean. 119 runs, 190 hits, 43 freaking doubles. And his MVP finishes those first years, 4-2-2-3-1-2. I mean, if Barry Bonds either didn't exist or just wasn't at the peak of his juicing in the early 2000s, who... Pools, who already has three MVPs, would have six. At least. At least. And even in, like, 2010, like, he finished second in 2010, um, and that was the year he had a 7-5 war and hit... Let me pull it up real quick. I mean, he had a 7-5 war, hit 312 with a 1,011 OPS, 42 homers, 118 ribbies, led the league in runs, scored homers and RBIs, and he gave the MVP Novato because of voter fatigue. He got LeBron. Yeah. Miguel Cabrera never got LeBron. No. That is true. But we can talk about LeBron all day. And Albert Pujols. We do. We do. It is true. Uh, a pretty interesting trade. Um, you know, the Padres last week we talked about, they made a good old-fashioned baseball trade. And I would say this week they did the same thing. Um, the Padres and Rays agreed to a trade that would send Tommy Pham to San Diego and Hunter Renfro to Tampa Bay. The deal also includes a pair of infield prospects as the Rays are going to receive MLB Pipeline's 92, or number 72 overall prospect, Xavier Edwards, while the Padres will receive two-way player Jake Cronworth. Of course. Are we calling them infield prospects now? What do you mean? They are infield. They're playing infield. Well, I'll get to that. Does he have a position? What do you mean? He does have a position. He plays all over the infield. That's not a position. Blake Snell. I put. <laughs> Blake Snell, his teammate, described um, his new teammate described Xavier Edwards on Twitch as quote a slap dick prospect, as Bennett pointed out. Oh, you don't want that. Not a great description, um, but I think this shows that the Padres are really trying to you know speed up that timeline with this young team, Machado, Tatis, Hosmer, etc. They they tried to speed up the timeline when they gave Machado three hundred million dollars. That was a, that's not really a correct. Well, I think that was. That was the way to, you know, speed it. Now I think they're trying to win in the earlier part of Machado's career with the Padres. Dude, Machado is so good. He, he used to be my favorite player, but it's hard to watch him when he's in San Diego losing 100 games. So Tommy Pham is a guy who's sneakily been a very good baseball player the past three years. 31-year-old right-handed hitter. He had 273, 369, 450 in 145 games for the Rays last season. Over the past three years, he's one of only four players in baseball to average 20 homers and 20 stolen bases a year. Um, and the big thing is the Padres haven't had a qualifying player reach a 373 on base percentage, which is Pham's career mark, um, since Chase Headley in 2012. Um, Tommy Pham is a guy who's never going to get a lot of limelight, but is just a really solid ball player. Does all the little things right, gets on base, steals bags. A guy you definitely want at the top of their lineup. Was very big for the Rays coming into the postseason. Um, and Cronworth also, he was the Rays' number 17 prospect and was named the team's AAA MVP. Um, hit 334, 429, 520, AAA Durham, 
also struck out nine over seven and a third innings uh, and throws 95. So a guy who maybe the Padres makes a match with. On the other side of things, Hunter Renfro, former first-round pick, um, turns 28 in January, and the Rays are getting a guy who was top the 25 homer mark in each of the last three seasons, including a career-high 33 in 2019. Um, big power threat, but plate discipline doesn't really hasn't really developed for him. Uh, he hit 216 last year with a 289 on base. Really floundered during the second half, but is a plus defender. Um, but he won't be a free agent until 2023, so they essentially sacrifice four years of Renfro for two years of Tommy Pham. Um, the bigger piece for the Rays could be Edwards, um, top five prospect in the Padres system, and another former first-round pick. 20-year-old switch hitter, great glove up the middle. Hit 322 with 34 steals in 123 games last year uh, between Class A Fort Wayne and Class A Advanced Lake Einsmore. I think this was a good trade for both teams, um, but what are your thoughts? Blake Snell didn't think it was a good trade for his team. You know, a lot of people gave Blake Snell grief for that, and at the same time, I get it. That's, you know, when one of your boys gets traded, that's going to be your reaction. Yeah, why mess up a good thing? Isn't Tampa, Tampa Bay's a clubhouse that's always committed, or they're built on, they're a team that's built on character. They like their camaraderie, they like being with each other. So why mess up a chemistry thing? They're a team that loves it. I think it's another example of the Rays weren't going to sign Fam long term, and if you could get two good young cost controlled players for a guy you're not going to bring back, I think a team like Tampa, whether it's fair or not, is going to jump at that every single time. I mean, Redford is a solid player. Like, not, Redford's not a bad player. Redford was a 33 homer player in Petco Park. So you move into the AL East, to me, that could translate into a 40 homer a year guy. You hope not, though. It's not what we want. Correct. As a Yankee fan, you hope not. But as a podcaster right now, that's the thought. <laughs> That's a thought. That's your thought. What are your thoughts? That's what I'm asking you right now. My thoughts were Tommy Fan's the best player in the deal. And usually when I'm looking at deals, I want to get the best player. And the Padres got the best player. The Rays gave up on the best player. So I would, I'd like to trade a lot for San Diego. I think he's a great add to the lineup with Hosmer, Machado, Tatis. That 1-2-3-4 is really good now. Fair enough. Um, so we got a lot of connection to Miami on the show today. Bennett is from Miami. Our buddy Sam went to the U, um, and the Marlins actually made some pretty solid moves this week. Not a sentence we've said a lot the past few years. I don't even know if it's true this week. <laughs> I think it's true this week. Um, after finishing last in the majors in home runs and second to last in runs scored last uh, season, on Monday the Marlins made a series of moves that promised to upgrade their sluggish offense. Minutes after the 8 p.m. Eastern tender deadline, they announced they had acquired Jonathan Villar in a trade with the Orioles and claimed first baseman Jesus Aguilar off of waivers. Um, Villar is coming off an impressive season, a four-war year, where he hit 274, 24 homers, 73 rippies, and played all 162 games. Switch hitter, stole 40 bags, scored 111 runs, and in my opinion, really gives the Marlins a legitimate leadoff candidate, um, which eventually they'll flip to get more prospects in return. Um, and Aguilar, I mean, first base last year between Garrett Cooper, Neil Walker, and Martin Prado uh, was kind of a mess for the Marlins. Um, so the fact that they're getting a guy like Aguilar, who was an all-star with the Brewers in 2018, is only a few, year removes, a few years removed from a 35-homer and 108-ribby season. Um, to me, if you're a rebuilding team, these are the perfect kind of moves that you make where you're not breaking the bank, but you're getting good, solid veterans um, to, as they say, cosmetically upgrade your team. Are they rebuilding or are they just bad? I think it's both. I think it's they're bad. Aguilar, how old is Aguilar? Aguilar's not too old. Aguilar seems like it. Villar's a nice piece. I'll, a lot of credit for the Villar signing. We thought he made a lot more sense on a contender, but I guess they made the trade. Aguilar's only 29. 
Only 29, but what good is that for a team that isn't ready to compete? He strikes out, low average hitter. A lot of, he's got a lot of pop, but... I just think for a team whose offense was so bad last year, you got to take... You, if you can get, for pretty much nothing, a guy who in 2018 was an all-star and had an 890 OPS and hit 35 homers... You got to do something to at least give fans some tiny glimmer of hope. I mean, those guys aren't legends. Another Juice Rose song by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but they're Villar's a nice piece. Yeah, I think the, team, Ag- the, the team's adjusting to getting rid of that horrible home run feature. I think for a while people didn't want to hit home runs in Marlins Park. So you had that big embarrassing fish in center field. I think now that you get rid of that, maybe they feel more inclined to hit home runs. They put that big embarrassing statue outside the stadium. Yeah. Back. Yeah, but you don't have to see it if you hit a home run now. Might incentivize the players a little bit. It's a very interesting take that I never <laughs> thought of. I'm glad we have a Miami native here. This is why we need the local input on the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, these aren't moves that are going to you know shock the world by any means, but I think you know for a team that is in a perpetual state of rebuilding and has all these young guys, you signed two solid veteran players. I can't believe Juice World's gone. <laughs> How do you want me to go on from that? <laughs> Can I just give one more Juice World quote and I'll do my best to stop from here on out? Sure. In the Juice World song Legends, he said something to the extent. He said, Was it 27 club? We ain't making it past 21. Oof. He Oof. turned 21 uh, uh, December 2nd. So. It's always very strange to me when you go back and you hear celebrities and people of the sort um, predict their own deaths. We're making it past 21. Oh, shit. I got to be careful. I'm turning 22 and I, I'm almost there. I'm Sounds like as good of a way as any to go back to baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nationals, bringing back a fan favorite and a postseason hero. Howie Kendrick is back in D.C., reaching an agreement one year, $6.25 million with a mutual option for the 2021 season. Last year, Kendrick, 344, 395, 572, and a 142 OPS plus. Career highs in every category. Uh, and then became a postseason hero by hitting the go-ahead Grand Slam in the clinching 10th inning of Game 5 of the NLDS to beat the Dodgers. Go-ahead homer off the right field foul pole in Game 7 of the World Series um, off of Will Harris to help send the team to their first championship. And in between, all he did was win NLCS MVP after he had a 1.012 OPS and a sweep of the Cardinals. They're really trying to bring back the band in D.C. Jan Gomes is already back. Ryan Zimmerman's going to probably come back in some capacity. Now Kendrick bringing back a lot of the veterans. They'll almost certainly get one of Strasburg and Renton and or Rendon back. Um, so really keep it. It looks a lot like Strasburg. Looking like that vaunted pitching staff will be back for sure. Um, I mean, look, Kendrick is another guy. He's not going to jump off the page, but was really solid last year. 121 games, 2.6 war, a big leader in the clubhouse. Played first, second, and third, um, filling in all over the diamond. And again, I think if you're a World Series team, this is a great way to keep your team together where, you know, you bring back the guys who helped, but for like $6 million. It's not like the Red Sox last year who gave Evaldi and Steve Pierce a ton of money. This is a signing where even if Kendrick, you know, gets old, gets hurt, for $6 million bucks, it's whatever. Yeah, but Evaldi and Pierce, they were very... Uh, granted, Kendrick was a World Series MVP, a, uh, or the ALCS MVP. Or NLCS, NLCS MVP. Ooh. Juice Worms really got you down. It really <laughs> does. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this, the Nats are going to need to bring... If the Nats want to compete again, they need to bring back Strasburg and then either Rendon or a bat comparable to Rendon. 
Because they can't, they can't lose that production. You can piece together the Howie Kendricks, the Jan Gomes of the world on these low-budget contracts, and it's really whatever. But losing the real impact players, MVP finalists, Cy Young contenders, those are the guys you need to bring back. Correct. But it's always nice to have the, the backbone of the team, if you will. Scherzer's the backbone of that team. His backbone wasn't working in the playoffs. Remember, that was the whole issue. It's back and neck. Bones. Bones, thank you. Your backbone, neck bone, so many bones. How many bones are in the human body? 206. I work in healthcare. I know this. <laughs> there we go. How to work that um, <laughs> So good. I mean, I think it's good that the Nats are bringing back Howie Kendrick, especially that money. I think it's great for both teams to be reunited there. Got a couple more moves I want to talk about. But before we do that, oh, here we go. Before we do that, because I know everyone has a lot of thoughts on this, so let's make sure we give it ample time. Um, Brian Cashman's been given a blank check, and Peter Gammons is trolling the Twitter world, saying the Yankees to get getting Garrett Cole is done. I don't think that's the case yet, but let's talk about this a little bit. Um, I mean, the 29-year-old Garrett Cole is the best free agent pitcher in baseball history. He's going to smash David Price's record, 217 million dollar contract. For a free agent pitcher. Angels are going after him. Dodgers are going after him. But apparently, Hal Steinbrenner said, get this guy at any cost to Brian Cashman. Um, the Yankees met with Cole, Cashman, Aaron Boone, pitching coach Matt Blake, and longtime Yankee Andy Pettit, um, who apparently was a star at the meetings. Um, Garrett Cole's really digging the fact that bringing in Matty Blake, not to be confused with Scatico, golf counselor Matt Blake. Um, common misconception. Very common, common misconception. Probably only between me and Bryce and nobody else. But um, he's really in on the fact, Garrett Cole, that the Yankees are really embracing analytics now. Um, Tanaka, Happ, and Paxton all coming off the books next year. That's $50 million in salaries coming off before the 2021 season. To me, it seems like the Yankees are going to finally get their guy. This happened 10 years ago when they said get CC at all costs and they signed him to an $161 million contract. Um, so my two questions for you guys, all Yankee fans, are one, is this going to get done? And two, how nice is it to hear that Hal Steinbrenner has finally said, fuck it, we're the New York Yankees, let's break the bank. He was due. So due. But uh, put this with the Mets. You think the Mets now having a, uh, a big-time potential owner that's willing to spend, you think that just lights a fire under the Steinbrenners and the Yankees just start spending like crazy again? I think for Garrett Cole, I, I, specifically, I do think that has played into it. Because you know, because no matter how little the Yankees have spent over the years, and look, we kind of spent around the edges last year, but like LeMahieu and Adovino paid off. I know Adovino wasn't great in the postseason, but we don't win 103 games without him. I mean, LeMahieu's a guy that we're all ready to trade on to hard because he was so good. Um, I do think knowing, because he always had that option, was no matter how little we spend, the Mets are always going to spend less. But now you have a guy who's got more money than the Steinbrenners, a hedge fund guy, which means he's probably ruthless when it comes to making deals, as his $2 billion fine attests to. Um, so I do think that probably uh, played a part into it. This might be a hot take. I don't think it has anything to do with it. I think the Yankees look down on the Mets as like not even in the same realm. The goofy little brother? Yeah, it's like a, almost to the effect, like, I don't care, whatever they can do, whatever they want. The plan has been to break the bank this winter anyway. Prior to the Mets being sold, it's like, I think it has almost nothing to do with it. It has, has more to do with the fact that Garrett Cole is a free agent and this does not happen very often, if ever, and you got to lock him up. 
So then I think my follow-up question to you guys is, are we going to get this done? Yeah, of course, dude. You think the Yankees blank check? Because the Angels are also going to offer him a blank check. He's a Southern California guy. Grew up an hour away from Angel Stadium. Um, went to UCLA. And has spurned the Yankees in the past when we picked him in the first round of the draft. But you think the allure of playing and winning a ring with the New York Yankees will trump all. Why would you give me one reason why anybody wouldn't want to play for the Yankees right now, dude? I'm with you. you it's not me. Like, have to pitch. It's Garrett Cole. Tell him. Well, Andy Pettit did but that I, for us. We think. We hope. We hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Yankees are ready to win now. They're missing an ace, and that's about it. He is such a. This is this is a time in Yankees history when the perfect free agent is out there for us. He is the one thing we're missing. We need him. Does he need us? Not really, because he's that good anywhere. But just if he goes to the Angels, Angels, they're not winning a World Series. Are they? They might. Trout, Pujols, Cole, Otani. Well, well, all right. I'm going to realistically take Pujols out of that equation. But Pujols' contract finally comes off the books in a year or two. And if they're going to re up him, no, they're not. For the same exact deal. I'm going to respectfully disagree. He needs another 10 year 240. With Cole and Otani atop the rotation, Trout. Joe Adele coming up the up the pipeline, one of the top five prospects in baseball, um, and now money to spend once that pool deal comes off the books, they'll be in it if they were to get Garrett Cole. But I do think if Cole wants to win now, you sign with the Yankees. And from the Yankees standpoint, I read a tweet that I couldn't agree with more. Like it's so great that you know we have Gleyber Torres and uh, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, this whole young core, but. We're slowly starting to get into their arbitration years where these guys are going to start to get expensive real quick. Like, it's, we, yes, we have them all locked up for a couple more years, but the time to win is now. No more screwing around. Yep. Time's, time's, and, we haven't won. We didn't win this deck. And we by the way, don't, don't worry. We don't didn't worry. even appear this deck. And, and don't worry about retaining the top-tier young talent on the Yankees because they're going to extend them. They're going to offer them huge checks, too. No, but we got to give LeMahieu a huge check first. We no, we don't. We can give everybody a huge check. There's no salary There's no salary cap, and the Yankees have more money than God. What does it matter? But not more money than Steve Cohen. <laughs> no, not more money than Steve Cohen. Just being devil's advocate on this one. <laughs> Yanks haven't spent in a while. I mean, they took on the Stanton contract. Is there any way we get off that contract? No. No. Ellsbury. We got off the Ellsbury contract. Well, we're still paying him this year, but yeah, he's off the books the following year. Nice throw, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm sorry I said you stink. Um, so we'll see what the Yankees do, but hopefully by the end of the winter meetings, we're all ordering Garrett Cole jerseys. What number would he pick? So that's what I was going to ask you guys. So Luke Voigt is number 45 on the Yankees. Um, do you think they just made Voigt pick a new number at this point? As yeah. much as fans love Luke Voigt? Yep. I don't know. Do fans love Luke Voigt or do I just love Luke Fans Voigt? love Luke Voigt. You love Luke Voigt. Fans, but this is the kind of thing, it's like you're coming into a new locker room. Do you want to be the guy who's making a... He's not a He's not a superstar, but he's a beloved player. No, you're going you're gonna to be you're the guy who offers Luke Voigt hundred grand for his number because you're making $35 million a year with the Yankees. Maybe. Or it could be a good way to endear yourself to the rest of the clubhouse and say, oh, I'm taking a different number. It's not like 45 is that good. You can't great. even do the reverse of 45. You can't do 54. He's got to get signed for Who's 54? Chapman. Ooh, yeah, but Chapman Ooh. sucks. Ooh. Chapman swag. <laughs> Tom Chapman. We got Chapman and Blake back. God bless. <laughs> Chapman. Uh, Want to go over a couple guys real quick who are non-tendered. Uh, for those who don't know what that means, it's pretty much there's a deadline that was this Monday where if you want to offer a guy a contract, 
for the 2019 season. You have to do it by that point. Basically what this is, it's guys who are going to go to arbitration and the teams don't want to pay that amount. Um, they just say you're going to be a free agent now. Um, so some of the biggest guys to top that list, there's like five, four or five I want to highlight real quick. So Blake Trinan, we talked about him before. I mean, this guy is a year removed from being the unquestioned best reliever in baseball and a guy who I was even advocating for should getting Cy Young votes. Where do you think Trinan ends up coming off of a down year? A lot of teams I've heard are interested in him. Why don't we just put him in our pen? But we don't, we don't, the Yankees are a team that could use, anyone can use a guy like this. With the upside he has, what team could, what team could really use him the most? What team almost needs him? I'm going to say the Mets, honestly. The Mets make sense. I mean, if the Brewers do end up trading Hayter, he would be a decent low-cost replacement for Hayter for a competitive team. The Angels, maybe. Phillies, I can see, because with Robertson already out for the year, they don't really have a I mean, what huge team, proven closer. What, te- what team doesn't need a quality bullpen? Correct. It's just a matter of what team is going to spend the money to put them over the edge, if that makes sense. Yeah. Boston, maybe? Chicago? The Cubs? It would make a lot of sense for the Cubs, actually. Because uh, Brandon Morrow signed a minor league deal with them, but he's still going to be hurt. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's go with the Cubs. I like that one. All right. We're going with the Cubs. Man. Um, a guy, I mean, Kevin Pillar last year, he's still a plus defender. Um Good clubhouse guy. Great clubhouse guy. And led the Giants in every offensive category. Got an MVP vote. Got a 10th place MVP vote, but was projected to make around $9.5, million arbitration. So Farzan said, see you later. Um, I'm not even going to ask where does Kevin Pillar end up, but where do you think a guy with – how much do you think a guy with Kevin Pillar's skill set, you know, plus glove, 20 homers, great clubhouse guy, gets in free agency? Four for 50. Or he's – Eaton got, what, five for 40? Five for Eaton got four for fifty four, and Pilar's probably a tier below what Eaton was hitting the market, so four for forty, three for forty, something that in that range, the forty million dollar commitment. That's that's about right. I mean, he's another good player, and there's always need for elite glove center fielders. So there's there is a massive market for him already. That's another guy I feel like that is uh, Steven Souza Jr. Uh, he was with a Diamondbacks blew out his knee last year, but prior to that was a 30-homer guy with speed. I mean, Speaking of speed, look at this guy. Yeah, this guy in the Saints just couldn't kick to the 46-yard uh, line very, very fast. Very speedy. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Um, I mean, if I'm a team looking for a flyer on an outfielder, I think Steven Sows is a great idea. Um, you know, a team like the Rays or even the Athletics maybe, you know, who kind of pick around the edges of free agency, take the upside. Um, but one guy is, do you think teams – like, I'm going to actually throw the Yankees in here. Like, Aaron Sanchez and Jimmy Nelson are both a year or so removed from dominant seasons. I mean, Aaron Sanchez, even this year, was part of a no-hitter. Like, why do you, th- do you think teams will be lining up to take flyers on guys who might miss a little time with injuries, but if they're healthy, the upside is tremendous just because of the stuff? Yeah, baseball's a sport. Again, a lot of it goes to the no-salary gap. You take chances on guys with high ceilings. And a guy like Aaron Sanchez. Aaron, wasn't Aaron Sanchez the ace of the Blue Jays staff two, three years ago? Aaron Sanchez in 2016, I believe, led the AL in ERA. Not chef Aaron Sanchez, Chase. No, I know. But I, no, I mean, a guy with that much upside. That, you think he's a good chef, Aaron Sanchez? I'm kind of curious. I don't think he's any better than Beck or Jimmy. That's true. Yeah, Aaron Sanchez in 2016, 15-2, 3 ERA, which offense must have been off the charts that year that a 3 ERA led the American League. Um... And struck out 161 guys in 192 innings. All he led the league in ERA and was seventh in the Cy Young. Yeah, 
Is that the year Porcello one? Let me double check, but I think so. Yeah. Yeah, probably should have been Verlander. It's a whole separate discussion that Kate Upton would love to engage you on. If she wants to talk to me, I'm right here. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the phone call. Um, Beck, one thing you actually mentioned, I meant to point this out when you were talking about the Angels and winning the World Series, um, just that I happen to have in the notes. They are a team that I think will have even more. I mean, Art Moreno has already showed between the Pujols, Josh Hamilton, CJ Wilson, Justin Upton. I mean, so many big contracts. And Trout contracts. Trout. Um, but they actually just bought Angel Stadium and the acres of land um, surrounding the stadium from the city of Anaheim. So basically, now that they own the stadium and aren't renting, they're going to rebuild the area and create like stores, bars, all in this. Um, Wrigleyville in Wrigleyville. In Orange County, California. Orange County. <laughs> so, as another Los Angeles guy, so appealing, right? Yeah. Wrigleyville and Anaheim. Let's just go down there. <laughs> um, so that could be a way that the Angels have even more money to throw away on Garrett Cole, just food for thought. And it allowed me to get it into the show. So in the 405, you can get that to the life. Yeah. Four, there you go. 405. Um, Bryce, I got three more moves to talk about. So I'm going to let you pick which one you want to talk about. You want to talk about Dylan Bundy, Omar Navarez, or Jake Marisnik? Bundy. All right. Dylan Bundy. Um, so he was traded to the Angels. A lot of Angels talk today. Yeah. We, like, we bring up the Angels as much as we can. Um, the O's traded him for four right-handed pitching prospects, ending the eight-year run in the organization for Bundy, formerly one of its longest tenured players. Four pitchers coming back are Isaac Madsen, Zach Peake, Kyle Bradish, and Kyle Bronovich. Um, the highest-ranked of, highest of the bunch is Bradish, who is the team's number 21 prospect per MLB pipeline. Club's fourth-round pick in 2018. He's a 6'4 righty um, who had a 4'28 ERA in advanced A-ball in 2019. So, again, I guess for the Orioles, it's just all about accumulating as much solid young talent as possible. Oh, my God. Big Bird died also? Small potato. That's a small, that's a small news story. I couldn't disagree more. Big Bird dying is way more significant in my mind than Juice World. Yeah, but that's because that's not your kindred spirit. What does that even mean? Juice World and I are two of a kind. Great. I think Big Bird had a much larger impression on me growing up. Than probably like Juice World. Probably like us and the rest of the world. Yeah. One thing. Well, Juice World and I did have one major philosophical disagreement. Oh. Bryce, what are you watching if you're not watching Sesame Street? Juice World concerts. What's your philosophical disagreement with Juice World? He said one thing my dad told me was never let your woman know when you're insecure. I always operate the opposite. A lot of, a lot of women know my insecurities. Did they ask? No, nah, I just kind of throw it out there. Kind of like my healthcare thing. I just got to work it into conversation no matter what. I have nothing to say to you. Um, all right, so Bundy was the fourth overall pick in the 2011 draft out of Owasso High School in Oklahoma. Made his major league debut a year later at age 19. Didn't appear again in the majors until... Um, I don't even know what my notes say. That's why I'm silent. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but regardless, he got Tommy John surgery. Um, finished his Orioles career, 38 and 45, 467 ERA, 103 starts. Um, he's no longer survived, no longer armed with an upper 90 miles per hour fastball. Last year, he threw a career high 58% off speed pitches, went 7 and 14 with a 479 ERA across 30 starts. I mean, look, I think Bundy doesn't have the upside that he used to, but at a minimum, he gives the Angels a solid young innings eater. And I mean, the Orioles the past few years have just been so, so bad. I mean, maybe this is an example of a guy who just needs to change the scenery um, to, you know, tap into some of his potential. 
I don't know, one of, another one of my Taiwanese friends, he would routinely bet on every single Bundy start. Uh, I remember once we're in London, and this kid bet on Bundy, and it was the game that Bundy gave up five homers and got zero outs. Dude, he single-handedly cratered my fantasy team that week. He gave up seven earned runs and no innings. Beck, for what it's worth, that was not our team because we weren't playing together yet. But I hope we can still be friends after this season. You know, it's funny you mention that because the owner of the team does have to announce if they're going to extend the general manager for another season or two if they're going to part ways. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to be part of budget cuts again. Do it live. Just cut him. Cut him right here. Nope. The, the, we still have some more, some more meetings and interviews to conduct. Uh, you're like the front owners. You're like all the owners in Major League Baseball right now. You're dragging out the winter meetings and making it a miserable experience for the fans. Oh, yeah. You got to do what's best for the team, Chase. Sad. <laughs> Sad day for everyone, I guess. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on Bundy going to the uh, Angels? Wait, they gave him that touchdown? Oh, it was not a touchdown. Bundy on the Angels, again, it's a high upside guy, so always worth the flyer, especially for a team like the Angels who hasn't been able to get the pitching situation figured out in what seems like forever. I mean, if you can get Bundy to be a quality last year the Angels did the same move with Harvey. This move feels very Harvey-esque to me. One last move I want to talk about just before we wrap up. Um, Omar Nevaez is going to the Brewers. They found the Asmani Grandal replacement. Um, last year, he had 278 for 353, 460, 22 homers. WRC plus of 119. That was pretty much just, he was pretty much just below Grandal in every offensive category for a catcher. Um, defensively, not particularly strong, which is why he had a 1.8 more and Grandal was 5.2. Um, but you pair him with backup catcher Manny Pena, and that's a great one two punch because Pena knows the staff very, very strong defensively. Um, love this idea for the Mariners because they're going to get probably the 70th pick back in competitive balance. But Bryce, my question for you in this trade, at what point do the Mariners have to say we're playing to win and not just keep compiling prospects? They haven't made the playoffs in almost 20 years. Their last appearance was 2001. And as much as Jerry Depoto loves to move and shape, at what point do you say, all right, we're going for it? I'm pretty sure this trade was the 200th player involved. It was. It was the, it was the I, I know you're looking for that tweet and you're yes. spot on. I read that also. It's... I mean, at some point, it's what they. I think they've tried to compete because they had the Cano and the the Cruz contract. I mean, but what is it? They're, there's something off in Seattle. Maybe baseball in Seattle doesn't work, and they should. Uh, maybe they should rebrand themselves as the Seattle SuperSonics. That would be the plot twist of the year. <laughs> One last thing I'll mention with the Mariners is uh, Bryce. Where do you think your boy Felix Hernandez ends up in free agency? SuperSonics. Uh, Seattle SuperSonics <laughs> an option. I really don't know. Hernandez might be a guy that has to wait the wait the offseason, wait for someone to get hurt, and a team needs an arm. I can live with that answer. Um, we're going to be taking a, a short one-week break next week because, you know, it's the holidays, and mostly I'm going to be out of the country. And Entirely you'll be out of the country. Yeah, that's pretty much the only reason why I'm going to be out of the country. But, Bennett, it was a pleasure doing this with you today. Thank you for having me. Bryce, good luck fighting Big Pharma this week. I don't fight Big Pharma. Yeah, I fight big for Big Pharma. <laughs> Bryce, good luck fighting plague, the bubonic plague across the world. I fight the good fight. Keep fighting the good fight. That's what Juice World would have wanted for you. I know. And, uh, Sam, and, big root. and uh, Sam, as always, any concluding thoughts on this week's show? I do. Yeah. I have some. Um, Rangers are better than they th- I thought they'd be, which is nice. And the Miami Hurricanes will have a monumental bowl game, likely in Shreveport, Louisiana, against Louisiana Tech, perhaps. So, Ooh. go Canes. Manny Diaz has to go. 
Go Canes, and we will not handle that. We will not accept that slander on this podcast. R.I.P. Big Bird. R.I.P. Juice World. My two wrap-up thoughts are: Yankees. By the time we do a show again in a week, two weeks or so, you better have signed Garrett Cole. So bet Yankees World Series futures today before that Garrett Cole. Get it in on Bavada today. Last time we did this, it was what like plus six hundred. Do it today. It's going to be a steal. And secondly, Eli Manning, I love you to death, but so help me God, if you fuck up us getting Chase Young by beating the Eagles tomorrow, I'm going to be really pissed. Not going to happen. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> how did they call this a touchdown? All right. Eli's not going to win. We don't know how it was called a touchdown. With Bryce, Bennett, and Beck, Triple B calls the big brawler, ball, big baller brand. My name is Chase Wadorski, and this is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. <laughs>